to the Pursuit of Crappiness podcast. I am your host, Dave Glado, and uh, today we're talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens because the film has just come out on Blu-ray and digital this week, and so I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about it. I've got some fellow New Orleanian Star Wars fans here with me. Uh, first of all is uh, Kyle Melanson of Dash Rip Rock. Hello. I also have Michelle Hunter here from NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune. Hello. And also Alfredo Narvez, Nola Fredo, Twitter personality extraordinaire. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's get right back, uh, right into it. Um, uh, first topic of discussion, uh, I wanted to ask everybody about their personal connection to Star Wars. We've all talked on Twitter about this. Um, we've all talked about liking it. I wanted to see what everyone's own story was. Uh, I'll start with you, Kyle. Uh, let's see. My story starts in 1977 uh, when I was five years old. Uh, I, s- I saw the first movie in the theater. Don't remember the story and all that as much as I do just the experience of being there uh, as an early memory and having a massive effect on me. So then after that, saw every movie since then in the theater. Uh, Empire opening day, which my mother waited in line with me for eight hours to go see. (laughs) That's impressive right there. Yes. Uh, Michelle, uh, what's your personal connection? Uh, I remember growing up... uh, playing Star Wars, and I saw my first movie in the theaters at six years old, Return of the Jedi. I remember sitting on my grandfather's knee and watching it, and just watching this movie that we'd all, you know, we all played with lightsabers and whatnot when we were little, and I just have been hooked ever since, and I began reading uh, the Timothy Zahn novels when I was 12, I think, and just has, I've followed it ever since, um, and just been a, an undercover Star Wars dork. So the expanded universe too. You yes. got the, the books and everything. The comic books. I, what's fun about Michelle? I think a lot of people that follow her on Twitter for uh, horrific crime news. <laughs> and smutty. <laughs> and then they uh, and then they find out. Um, oh wow! You know, there's also a little bit of Star Wars in there as well. So, um, Alfredo, what about you? Uh, well, like everybody said, I first movie I saw was Empire and. I was about six years old, right. and all I remember from the experience is the moment when the entire audience just kind of gasped when the "I am your No, I am your father" line came out. Uh, but ever since then, I mean, when you used to go to the theater, see the movies because they play them like for a dollar or whatever back then, and um, so it's just been part of everything I grew up with. I mean, I remember my uncle used to have the soundtrack on LP. So you have to listen to the LP. And then somehow I lucked into getting a copy of the disco version of the soundtrack on LP. And, oh, wow. And I played that till I broke it. So, And it had all these ray gun special effects. Yeah. That's I just read the Cantina band version was epically hilarious. It was like... Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's like, you know, like... now. Disco remix. Now they make a club dance version of every hit song, like even if it shouldn't be. If I think hard enough, I can think of who that artist was. Started with an M. I cannot remember. Uh, Minko? I will take your word for it because, as I said, all I remember is the disco cover because it was all really bad uh, sci fi, 60s sci fi art. 
Definitely should Google that one. <laughs> Minko, I think. I want to say or Miko. Miko. M-E-C-C-C-O, I think. Because that's the thing. It's like Miko. now, like, what was it? Like somebody put out the dance version of the Titanic theme song. You're like, what would you anybody do? But that's the thing. It's son of a bitch. I'm right. <laughs> Wait. Is that it? That was the record I Yes. Had. Yes, that's it. That is it. Oh, God. No, it was epic. That's incredible. It was so good. <laughs> Star Wars and Star Wars and other galactic funk. That's right. <laughs> Rated five stars on all music. <laughs> yes, because the only people. Yeah, the single from the album Star Wars theme slash Cantina Band reached the number one spot on the Hot 100 October first, nineteen seventy seven. Oh my God! And I said, well, I remember. I had the full length LP and I had the single. No, I had a full length LP. That's all I had. My my parents weren't into disco, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, my parents very much were. We got the my, my dad got the the soundtrack for Return of the Jedi, and uh, Road Trips. It, that was the one thing that the, everybody in the car could agree on. Because my parents would want to listen to like Herb Albert or uh, Fiddler on the Roof or something, and, and the kids didn't want any part of that. And so it was it was always Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, Just like everybody. And it was, it's such a strange thing because, well, I mean, me and my brothers and my friends just kind of, it's a generational thing. Everybody grew up. So. Going to the theater, seeing Jedi, standing outside in line, going to see the prequels when they come out, being excited for the Sun novels. I think my parents took me to the re-release um, because that's my first movie memory mm-hmm. was being at a drive-in mm-hmm. theater uh, outside watching Star Wars. And I only remember the first sequence when they're boarding the ship mm-hmm. and then I, and in, everything else I can't remember no. um, and my first movie I really remember was E.T. but so that was only probably about like two years old mm-hmm. but I can still kind of remember that and uh, I remember the first movie I ever saw Herbie Goes Bananas <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like the Herbie and the Love Bug movies oh, God, in like 73 or something I saw the re-release of that see part of it is I saw the stuff in Nicaragua when it came out after the Sandinista Revolution, because stuff came out between 79 and 81. Oh. You couldn't see it because, well, right. it wasn't a country. Nobody's going to the movie theater gotcha. when there's war patrols and, and war. Right. So, so when that ended, they released everything. So all of a sudden, you got it all in like a flood. Exactly. And I was just like, like <laughs> five or six, and they were like, okay, you're gonna go, we're going to go see it. You behave. So we remember going to see it. They're like, like I said, pack theater. Just pack nice. theater. But then, like, Jedi, I saw that in Guatemala when I was visiting some family. So I remember, like, one weekend we saw Ghostbusters, the following weekend we saw Jedi. Fantastic. And I was like, this is awesome. That's, <laughs> a, good, that's a good movie weekend by any standard. Right. And we just kept going back, like, okay, can we, do we have to leave now, the theater? No? Okay, we're staying. We're watching this again. So, uh, does everyone own it at this point, The Force Awakens? Is yes. It? Yes. Yeah, that's not shamefully enough uh, uh, yet. That's, uh, that's okay, I mean. Can I still stay? Yes. <laughs> yes. We're still allowed to stay. Everybody yeah. has it on I summoned, uh, I summoned the Miko uh, reference, so that's a win for me. <laughs> that is right. Well, we got it on Blu-ray. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just weird about that still because digital, just it, if there's like some weird hiccup in, that, in the playback mm-hmm. with it buffering, I just that drives me nuts. I'm a physical format to guy yeah. to the end. I will never embrace downloading audio or video. If I don't... <laughs> Have it physically 
I don't own it. I, live, I don't care if I paid for it. I have to be able to hold it in my hands. I live in the house with a guy who just loves every bit of technology, and as soon as you were able to download video games and movies, he was all over it. So mm, almost is. all movies, most recent movies that have come out, we own them all digitally. So I'll buy the Blu-ray because like, now they'll come with a free copy of digitally. So I can't ever figure out how yeah. to get the, that to load. No, there's a code. Ultraviolet just, or yeah, something no, no, like well, that? No, I just go to like their iTunes and just, just download, download it right into your library. Disney is pretty great because they've got it tied into the movie reward thing. So if you buy a, like a Blu-ray through Disney and they come with a digital copy, you can go online you points, and you get points <laughs> and you'll get free movies yeah. eventually. But you also get the digital copy when you put the code in. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really great for... That's a parenting tip right there for, <laughs> for all the parents out there. But uh, how did everyone react when we when you saw The Force Awakens for the first time in the theater? Sheer joy. Oh, my gosh. After the disappointment that was the prequels, it just felt like a homecoming. I was so excited to see it. I was smiling. I didn't even know I was smiling when I was watching it. But I think a lot of people felt that mm-hmm. way. I was... I was 12 years old again for two hours. Uh, I was cautiously optimistic because just to my view and I guess many people's view in the Star Wars universe, that the prequels were so bad, so appallingly bad in my opinion that I I was scared to get excited for this and uh, was overjoyed as the movie went on that I I just could not believe it. I was about to cry. I'm like, because, and I told, uh, my girlfriend Carolyn, after the movie, I was like, the, 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 the most joyous thing to me about this is it, it, it felt like a Star Wars movie. Right. And that, that counts for something. I think you know, it should feel like a Star Wars movie. I also feel day. like a lot of people that saw the movie originally at, at an impressionable age, that becomes their Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And, and so, like, it's different for the newer generation of kids that saw Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones They first. think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They think it's awesome. I do know younger fans that they're all about the prequels, and I, I don't understand it. We don't own the Phantom Menace in my house, but my husband wants it. He's um, millennial. Well, I own it, but... That, but that's, I, a, that's a bad film. But I think also a lot of their support comes from the following... Products have come, uh, Star Wars, right. Clone Wars, Rebels. So they've had the opportunity to kind of see it just as a chapter in a bigger story. Whereas for us, you know, having waited that 20-some-odd year period, we were, like, so excited for it, so pumped up for it. And then to be disappointed and be let down. And then, okay, we were, like, giving it a break. Like maybe episode two will get it right. And then we're disappointed and let down even more. And then you're like, by the time episode three, you're like, okay, look, well, this let's just great. get this over with. This is great. Let's because just get over the with. first two were so bad, episode three seemed like Shakespeare. But I say, episode three, that's watchable for but, me. Those first two are just bad. But I think with The Force Awakens, what what it gets right is, like you're saying, that sensation of it being Star Wars, of it being yeah. fun, of it being exciting, of you being willing to just let the ride take you wherever it's going to go yeah. and not feel so... I mean, it's tough to. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to, you know, talk bad about the prequels. But I think the biggest disappointment for them is they were never fun. Like, they, I don't remember too many jokes, too much humor, too much like a sense of just laughing about it. Like the and what a wasted opportunity with mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson. And I mean, it but, could have been so fun, right? But did this it, one has fun. Right? Did anybody have bitter Star Trek 
friends who were like waiting for J.J. Abrams to screw it up and they were waiting for your reaction. <laughs> we got several friends who were Star Trek fans who absolutely loathed him and what he did to the franchise. I love, I love the J.J. Abrams Star Trek But if you, if you talk to a diehard Star Trek, Trek fan, they hate what J.J. Abrams did and they were like, just you wait. Just you wait till episode... Because he made Trek oh, into wow. Star Trek. Well, because he took Star Trek and made it kind of like Star Wars. That's kind of what happened. Pure entertainment. He's a Star Wars fan. Right. And that's the thing is a big deal is he was coming from the mindset of, I'm going to make the Star Wars movie the best one I can make. Because I love this. This is my childhood I got to protect. So. I also felt really confident that he was going to do, do right by these movies. Absolutely. It felt like he was, if one of us mm-hmm. somehow got the opportunity to make a Star Wars movie, like he did what any one of us would do. It's like, no, it's got to look right. a certain way. It's got to feel a certain way, and he gets that. All that to say. He gets that, that George Lucas just, for yeah. whatever reason, did not get that, like, this is so dear to us. It's got to mm-hmm. feel yeah, a certain yeah. way when we watch it. So stay bitter, Trekkies. Stay bitter. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm one of the weirdos that really, really enjoys the prequels. I don't put them on the same <gasps> level. I have pearls. Yeah, I'm just a weirdo. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got but their thing. I don't put them on the same level as the... Uh, originals. Um, but like you general, said, I may be tainted by being a little older and having literally grown up with the, uh, you know, but if four you through at, six. So that might just be a, a me problem that I can't. If you look at the prequels, the elements are there. I think that's the that's the bigger tragedy for them. All the elements that are that could make it a great story are there. This is it's Shakespearean tragedy via space opera. You know, for the love, uh, the, the denial. You know the Prophecy, the denial of power, all those things, you know, uh, a character like Palpatine being Yago in the shadows, but yes. it just never quite comes to the technology would have been there too that is available now, it would have been better, but just those movies feel editing wise, effects wise, clunky and clumsy. I feel like watch if, them. if he'd have had more no men around him, I think it would have helped. So that's a very fair point. I mean, that was he had no one around him to go like, "This is awful, George. You can't do this." It's like looking great, George. Yes, Jar Jar Binks is best character you've ever come up with. No. This is not going to be racist. He's a like a Jar Jar. Wait, before we turn this into an indictment of the prequel, that will become a bigger podcast if we let it. Yeah, no, that can go on and on and on. Um, my own reaction was um, I liked it, but I wasn't sure how much I liked it. Um, For Williams? Yeah. I felt. Wow. Um, you weren't weeping in your seats like I Yeah, I was not <laughs> weeping at the end. Uh, <laughs> crying my eyes out. Um, oh, it was so good. It was such an it's such a surreal experience to go to a new Star Wars film. When, you know, it really is. Years and years, of, you know, you go between, and it, and each film feels different from the previous one, and so as it should, yeah. And so every, every time you watch it, there's something about it that you're like, there's something in the back of your head that says this isn't quite right because of this or right. because of that little detail. This little detail's changed. How can that detail change? And uh, and so you have to kind of, at least for me, I have to come to terms with it over time. And then, not to mention the fact that with J.J., I've, I've always been kind of cold to him. Mm-hmm. Initially, his films really grow on me over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, But by the time I saw this movie the second time, though, I just, I loved it. You bought in. Yeah, I bought in completely. So um, so it's, it's fair to say we're all 
big fans. Um, Did everyone here see it multiple times in the theater? I, I have a child, so I was not able to. <laughs> yeah, we, we saw them I will admit to at least three viewings. At least three. Yeah. Yeah. Not going. I'm not going into details of how many <laughs> end up, but let's just. No leave. shame. No shame. <laughs> I ended up at three actually with three kids. I don't know how we did that. <laughs> well, you need it with three kids. You probably need multiple viewings to catch it at once. Yeah, just and, and, and well to get away from them actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I did. We all think that it felt fit into the saga well. I remember. And I, I can go into a little more detail eventually, but I feel like with some people on the on the on the the end of Return of the Jedi, it's sort of the ultimate happy ending at the end. Sure. And then mm-hmm. this throws you right into the crap again. Um, and I understand why they do it because you need the dramatic tension of to play it over three films, and you need people that are kind of facing long odds. Sure. And becomes a little more. Um, you're rooting for the underdog kind of a thing. So you understand why they do it, but I know that some fans are upset that Luke was missing uh, for basically the entire movie and, and, and some of the other character dynamics. Um, but how well did everyone here feel that the the movie fit in with the rest of the movies? Um, I mean, you know, it'll be a theme for me all day because I'm always, I'm still upset about the extend, expanded universe. And I... I, I understand what happened, like why it's, it continues, because if you kept up with the books and the comic books, you know that it didn't just end right after the Return of the Jedi. They still had the the Empire that they had to sort of uh, take back worlds, and when I assume the same sort of thing has happened in this universe, if not sort of the same way they lay it out in the books and the comic books. So I felt that it fit, but again... I you know I think I'm comparing it to the prequels and and for me it fits in better than the prequels so I guess I'd have to sit back and look at it in a different way and say do I really feel that it fits in or just does it fit better than episodes one two and three right no I was good I was just gonna say I think it fits when you accept that there's been a bridge over a you know, gap of thirty years so that there's been a generational a, a period of time where generationally, we have not been aware of what's happened afterwards. The, the natural inclination is to think, okay, at the end of Jedi, perfect bow, it is done. And I think what it does really well is to acknowledge that that doesn't necessarily, it's not true. You know, there are going to be continuing up and down, ups and downs. There's going to be a power vacuum. It's horribly untrue, as we it, come to find out. <laughs> exactly. Like the happy end is not a really a happily ever after. So that concept of Okay, there's always going to be that fight against evil. There's going to be the eternal you know, fight between the lights and the dark side. It's just a question of now how what how does it describe itself? I love that line that uh, the character of Maz says, where you know first it was the Sith and then it was the Empire, and now it calls itself the First Order because it allows for you know we you know for fans to kind of recalibrate themselves. But it's always the same evil shown itself in different forms, right. and it's always going to be required for new heroes to rise. So, which allows it to continue. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it fits very well. Um, again, I reacted, the, fir- the first viewing of it, I reacted almost entirely by feel and how it, I just kind of let it wash over me just as, you know, visceral, pure entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the second time I, I was able to kind of calm down and pay attention a little more and uh, 
see what's really going on. And I, I mean, I think it does fit, and I think it fits better than one, two, or three, certainly, um, story-wise. Uh, I mean, the only thing I'll say is there's more than a few quite aggravating just plot holes and plot details, but I also understand there's two more movies, and right. I understand it's necessary. You can't throw all the cards out in the first movie and expect people to still be interested. you got to build some drama, some mystery, but as a fan, it is... It, we talked about it before the podcast. Just, some things are frustrating not to understand the whys and wherefores of how things came to be and what's going to happen. So that, that even makes it more Star Wars in a way. It really is, Every yeah. Star Wars film does that. It's true. If you go back to yeah, episode four... Well, of course, knowing what comes later, it's like, oh, that all makes sense. But that movie, without the two movies after it to reference, there's a lot of very like virtually story. nonsensical things <laughs> that happen that just absolutely don't. What's Chewbacca compete? all about? Who yeah, is this guy? I mean, well, did you feel like <laughs> the characters? The what happened to the info. characters? Stay true. Like I, I found it really difficult to believe that Luke would just kind of walk away from everything after. You know this this bad experience that he would kind of just give up and leave, and that Han and Leia would just there would this 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 thing that happened with their son would cause them not to even talk to each other for some time. I I, I felt a, a, a little difficult. I found it difficult to believe that some of the things that happened with some of these characters would have occurred. The the Luke thing kind of didn't stick with me so much. The Han and Leia kind of felt truer, if if only because I started looking at Kylo Ren more like like when you see uh, somebody who falls into drugs or falls into crime and the way it tears a family apart right because I think that's what ends up happening it's just is, too painful for them to deal yeah, with they it both throw themselves, not that they didn't love each other and but they walk away that makes sense they yeah. throw themselves right back into their own lives Han Solo goes back to being the smuggler looking to stay a step ahead of bad guys and Leia goes back to organizing right. a resistance everyone buries their buries life it. into whatever work they need to do to and keep all, their mind off it and acknowledging that pain is almost like this, what this movie is about. Acknowledging the losses that came in that time that we didn't see. Acknowledging the mistakes and the failures. Because obviously they're, they're characters. They're not perfect. So they made mistakes and they're not aware of, okay, how can we make it right? And right. I think that's why it's so important to see them having fallen into <coughs> their own lives. Because that's what most people would do. They would throw themselves right. back into who they were. I think the Luke thing... I got a feeling his whatever journey he had to take will be better explained next movie. I would think it would all be explained as to why he just turned his back on, you know. Yeah, and then it'll create and another fifty questions. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. But they have to address it. I mean, they set it up obviously at the end for it to be the big plot point of the next movie. Pressure's on, JJ. But Kyle makes a good point. If you look back at episode four, just episode four, there's not a whole lot of story there. It's uh, plans, droids, Luke. All the terminology they use is <laughs> that becomes explain. important later. But it's like they're eh? just setting up what. <laughs> but you didn't care because it was just such great entertainment. You just bought in. Mm-hmm. It's important to uh, the the peace and the happy ending uh, part of it. I like. The idea, somebody mentioned this online, they said, well, it's called Star Wars. 
Star Party. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was just a really fun way to kind of like rein that argument in really right away. Um, yeah, and this is how this is how the world works, mm-hmm. and, and this is how this is how it becomes relatable. As like you said, the um, evil and, and bad forces they take different forms over time, and you just have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, what I thought was interesting was um, when I, the scene on the bridge, and I, you know, I'll go ahead and give a spoiler warning here um, because I'm well, listen to the yeah. podcast if you yeah. haven't seen it. <laughs> I do know a handful of people who haven't seen it. Yeah. Wow! Um, right, spoiler alert: Stop this <laughs> now yeah. and watch the movie, then come back. The um, the scene on the bridge um, where uh, Kylo Ren meets his father and uh, ultimately impales him. Uh, I was so struck by that in the theater because I was too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on there, obviously, and a lot of stuff you can read into it with family. Um, but I took out it as a commentary on pacifism because. In Return of the Jedi, Luke ultimately triumphs by throwing his lightsaber away. Right. And going to love. And his father ultimately saving him. And I thought that, I always thought that was such an amazing message, and I always loved that. I mean, when you're a kid, you're you're not thinking about that. You're thinking, oh, God, take him out. Shoot him with a gun. Right. Um, But when when I saw this movie, his father attempts to bring him back with love. Right. And what is his reward? It's, it's the scene in first. It's, it's true. It's reversed. Yeah. It's, you're trying to redeem somebody from falling, and Kylo is like in the scene in Jedi. Luke is being seduced by the dark side. Right. To fall in. In the scene in the Force Awakens on the bridge. Kyle Ren's being seduced by the light to return, and he rejects it. So yeah. it's, it's the same idea, but reversed. Right. I mean, I think it's... I, I, I thought about this during that scene, uh, once the movie was over, and I had time to calm down and process a little bit. But it, it, it's an interesting point you bring up, because Kylo Ren, obviously, is going to be a part of the entire trilogy, right? Right. Um... Killing your father. Now, even the bad characters in the original trilogy and the prequels, everyone kind of has their at least chance at some kind of redemption. Right. Yeah. So, this this is serious. He didn't <laughs> cut off Han Solo's hand. He killed it. So, where is he... How is that character going to find redemption? I mean, against such a brutally violent and heinous act. I... I so I struggle with that aspect of it because I'm like, he's a cool character and everything, but where's this guy's redemption? And even if he gets it, it doesn't bring back Han Solo. So it's like Anakin and all the young ones. It's, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty heavy. Well, there is that, yeah. I mean, Anakin's sins were, were worse in the, in the um, from a detached perspective, but certainly... Uh, Kylo's was more personal. Absolutely. And it was the most personal. Yeah. The man that gave you life and you're mm-hmm. taking him out. But it's I think, tough. I think part of the dynamic is when we meet Darth Vader at the start of episode four, 
he is evil complete. Like, he's an evil he's, character. Oh, he's way crossed over right, by exactly. the time we even see we him on screen. We meet Kylo Ren as he's, as he's becoming the right. evil character. So that, that's where his struggle is. That's why he has all those uh, rage moments where he just destroys things and he can't quite grasp with failure. Right. You know, whereas Darth Vader was just quick about, oh, you fail me? You die. You right. fail me? You die. Uh, Kylo Ren's still kind of coming to grips with his own evil. You know, so... This is kind of, in a way, kind of the thing that's pushing him over. Like, okay. Do you think that they've kept that old um, thing with the Sith where you, they have to kill someone close to them? Um, to it was part of the, It was part of, you know, the, right. the expanded universe or something. Mm-hmm. That they had to kill someone close to them. Do you Somebody. think that this was this is still part of their training? Because then Snoke says, well, it's time to complete his training. Right. Was that what he had to do? It could very well be. I mean, like we're saying, it's that idea of being kind of torn apart that he's always expressing. He's always expressing like that Maybe he didn't want to do that, but right. he knew he had to if he wanted to be fully cross to you know, Sith so. training being complete. To, yeah, in, order, in order to embrace the totality of right. the power of the, the dark side. He, he, really, he really reminded me of uh, Draco Malfoy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, similarly conflicted character, like who's kind of a dick, but like doesn't even understand why he's such a dick at times. Just is, you know. And that's doesn't a, really understand the bigger that's a good parallel. Yeah, um, that's a great parallel. The, actually, the, the funny thing about him, I think, is well, I don't know necessarily that it's funny, but the the guy is sort of he sort of bumbles his way through this movie towards the end anyway. Like he fumbles it. Um, he. He sh- he should. Kylo Ren shits the bed a little at he, the end. He should have the he should have the map to Skywalker. Doesn't get it. He should have this girl in prison. Can't keep her in prison. <laughs> then can't beat her down in, in the lightsaber battle. Um, Who's only had it for a day? Right. He's not looking like such morning. a great Sith. Well, did you notice that the, it's almost like his presence is. The threat of Kylo Ren diminishes the more you see him out of the mask. Yeah. Like at the start, you're like, "Holy God, right, he's this such so an evil. evil bad guy!" And he's, you know, force stopping the blood, the blast bolt from Poe Dameron, and you know, he's ordering villagers killed. And you're like, "Oh, he's really evil. He's really evil." And then he takes off the mask, and you see his face. It's almost like that idea of when you when evil is faceless and formless, it's threatening. It's unknown. The moment you put a face and a name and a Understanding what it is, it almost loses a great deal of its charm. And I'm sure that's on purpose by mm-hmm. the filmmakers. Like, uh, similar uh, when you know Darth Vader finally, when we finally see his face at the end of Jedi, mm-hmm. you know the reason it's such a powerful moment. It's like wow, it is. Just it is man. a person underneath yeah. all that this frail man, right? But do, do we think there's redemption for Kylo Ren at all? Because I. I don't. I mean, like at this point, you know, they could go in so many Man, different directions. And this is what I loved about this movie more than anything is that it was the table setter. You know, right? Um, JJ came into this thing. He's got to establish these new characters that you care about, um, and then just set the table for the next guy. And that's he did both of those things greatly. Um, Kylo Ren, he could go in a number of directions. I, you know, would he? Would he eventually turn back to the light, and, and or would he be more? Would he be the villain? 
the the great villain that he's supposed to be or thinks he's supposed to be, or is he going to be the bumbling guy that never quite reaches his potential and can do it and eventually becomes the tragic figure? Uh, Because at at this point, he's a pawn, and he may remain so. That's my guess as to how he'll get his redemption is we'll come to find that maybe he, he literally had no choice and was so controlled you know, by Snoke or whatever that, you know what I mean? He, like, he, he may literally have not been able to stop himself from doing it, even though his mind was probably saying, this is terrible, this is my father, I shouldn't do it. I'm guessing it's going to be something like, that's the only way I see a road to, if he just did it because he's just that dark of a human being, mm-hmm. I don't see where you get your redemption after that. The interesting thing for me is going to be when they finally have the scene of him running into Luke. Because yeah. somewhere on the line, gonna there's, gonna be, there's gonna be a meeting between him and Luke. And that's Kylo Ren kills Luke I'm out. <laughs> Boy, that would be cheap if they have. It's like, what? Dude, you're taking out your whole family? That would be lame. I agree. That's weak sauce. I don't think he'll kill him, but I think it, there's gonna be a moment where they have to reencounter themselves as they were because there's a lot. There's enough history between the two of them. Luke trying to train him. His uncle, train right? Him. It's his uncle. He just killed his dad. All there's so many elements at play there that there's not you know there's not enough. There's so much rich story there that somebody's gonna mine it. You know whether it's Abrams or whoever is the writer for the next couple of movies, they're gonna mine that. But uh, it's gonna be interesting to see. Did the directors for both movies uh, picked already? Right? Yes, yes, they did. Yeah. Okay, they yeah. started filming eight already. Yeah, um, I was kind of bummed when I found out Abrams wasn't doing all three, but I guess he's only one person. I mean, that's a He's heavily That's involved a big in the writing and production at this point. Like, they're kind of overseeing the handoff. Uh, I got you. Um, Ryan yeah. Johnson is directing episode eight. That's the guy who directed right. Looper and... Boom. And then episode nine... That's, one of, the that's, Colin, that's uh, one of the darkest... That's one of the darkest movies I've ever seen, by the way. Mm-hmm. Looper? Looper. Oh, yeah. my God. Ooh, that was a tough watch. Good right. movie, though. Well, this is why a lot of people are really excited for the next movie because this guy who's creative is in charge of it. Yeah. So he can go in a lot of different directions. You know, you have this whole generation of creative minds, you know, directors, writers, special effects people, costumers, etc., who grew up with Star Wars and thought, oh, this is the Star Wars story I would want to make or this is the Star Wars story I would like to see. Yeah. And they're being given the reins to do so and... They're given the opportunity to create the Star Wars universe. It's true. This is the first time fans have gotten the opportunity to right. make their voice heard and go like, look, we love these movies. We want to do it the right way. Right. Please let us. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about diversity a little bit because I think like that's an important part of um, this movie. They uh, Obviously, they cast a woman in the lead role, um, African-American, the other lead role, uh, Hispanic. The other lead role, and then the the white male is the bad guy. Uh, so <laughs> very much. It's like the, the anti first six movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did we all think about that? I I thought it was great to see um, when you are a person of color and you love different types of hero shows. You very rarely see a person of color as the good guy. You always see them as like 
in the henchman crew or something like that. So I, I, I think that there are a lot of kids, specifically like a, young, a lot of young black boys, who are able to say, I'm a hero in this movie, and I thought it was great to see. And the same thing goes for women. Like, we're not just somebody to be rescued. You've got someone who is the lead, and she actually ends up rescuing the guy at the end of the movie. So I thought yep. that was great. No, I think that the really important aspect of it is, well, one of the important aspects, is that they all felt like fully realized characters. They went and got not just a woman to be the lead, but they got a, somebody who could embody all the characteristics of the role so that she feels like somebody who's a real person. Same thing with the role of Finn. Like, I love his character, you know, how humorous he is. It's funny. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, when, when he's encountering Captain Phasma, when he's talking to Han Solo, you know, he doesn't feel like somebody who just, oh, we just got a stock character and we just got to put him in because we have to do this. They, they, they <coughs> got somebody talented to do it. Same thing with uh, Pose and all these uh, actors that they went and got. They went and got good actors so that they're fully fleshed out. Even even if you're only getting a glimpse of them, you know that they're, there's more to them. Feels like a really good point because yeah. um, I know that there, there are always going to be people that whine about this kind of thing. This is like, oh no, Hollywood's too politically correct. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that those people are generally white male and don't understand sure. how it feels. Um, yeah, I agree with people f- on the opposite side. I agree with Fredo in that I, it had to be done and it was necessary. It was time to bring this series into the 21st century. But it could have gone horribly wrong and felt trite and forced and insulting to everyone. And instead, they totally 180 and I, I think hit it out of the park with the characters, the way they're presented, developed. The actors are fabulous. I, 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 I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic at how the whole thing came about. Now, do we think Finn will become a Jedi at some point? And if we don't think that. Does that reduce his role? No. 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 It doesn't reduce his role, but I I have friends, and yeah, they're black male friends, who were super pissed to find out that he was not a Jedi. They were so pumped. You know, um, Sam Jackson aside, they Mm -hmm. were pumped to see him with the lifesaver on the poster, and when they found out that it wasn't him, they were like, man, they were so upset and disappointed. I don't know if he's going to become a Jedi, and I think it'd be kind of a cop-out if he did, but... um, I, you know, he, he, I think he'll still be very central to the storyline, and, and he's absolutely hilarious. I love oh, like, a great. lot of his scenes, and, you know, is there trash compact with the delivery of the line? Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, just the, his delivery, his comedic timing, well, is, I thought he was His comic relief is much needed with all the intense, right. nonstop action going on. The roofing it, with Han Solo. Ooh, it's such a breath of fresh air to have some banter, finally. Mm-hmm. He was my was favorite character in the movie, and I think I related to him better than I had most any other character throughout the series. Um, this was a guy who wanted to do what was right, but didn't yeah. always have it in him to do that. Um, made mistakes, and and like he's, we talked about his humor and the fact that he always tried to put people at ease and. I think like eventually he does what he needs to do and he does what's right, um, but he was just he was just such a joy to watch for me. I I, I loved him too. Um, what was what was everyone else's favorite character? 
thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great to see Han Solo. And I, I mean, I, I personally wanted more of the original three in there, but I, I, I'm thankful that they gave us a, a bunch of Han Solo before they killed him. Yeah. Spoiler. Uh, no, I'm definitely a, a Finn guy as well. Uh, I just thought he was great uh, and, you know, added so much to, to the movie. I'll go with Finn, but I think all three, the main, you know, Finn, Ray, and Poe were so well done so that if, you know, you could like all of them and enjoy all of them for who they were. You know, you know Finn is so great because he's trying to do the right thing, but doesn't know how to go about it, so he just kind of half-assed until he gets it right. Like, oh, I gotta get out of here because the First Order's evil. Okay, well, there's a rebel pilot, there's a, a pilot right there who we captured. Let's see if he can help me get out. Okay, so I go about this, and he just goes about his way, or I need to go rescue Ray. Okay, well, if I tell him this, they'll bring me to the base, and I'll be able to rescue my friend. So he's just kind of making it up as he goes along. Which is very much a Han Solo thing, you know, as, as they joke in there. He you know, kind of has the vibe of the Han Solo of this kind right. of generation. Right. It seems to be his kind of thing. Not maybe as shady on the, you know, right. moral aspects of bootlegging or smuggling or anything like that. Well, it's almost like they but, cut Han Solo in half because Poe is, is right. such a Han That's Solo. true. He's he, very has, he has the sexy swagger that all the ladies are looking for. Right. Every, I mean, you got, you got, I mean, Luke was kind of dorky and, you know, he kinda. was cute. Kinda. But Han kinda, yeah. had it going. I don't, does anybody... Was he going to go to Tachi for some power converter? Right. <laughs> yes. Does anybody look at io9.com, io9 and Gizmo? Uh-huh. They just had that big, like... Um, fantasy science fiction character who's sexiest and mm-hmm. the last one was Peggy Carter versus yes. Indiana Jones wow and so and Han, wow. Indiana Jones won but look, and to me by proxy Han Solo right. but <laughs> I think Poe brings that swagger that you know some folks are looking for and you know another point I think uh, thinking about it like I, I don't like the character because he's awful <laughs> and does just the most appalling thing ever at the end of it but I will say uh was not really a big Adam Driver fan, not a girls fan really, and so I was, and I didn't, I guess thankfully I didn't pay too much attention onto casting and all this before it came out, so when he took the thing off, I was like, is that the dude from Girls? <laughs> but uh, credit to him, I thought he did great. Yeah, um, I really did. I thought he did an excellent job, and uh, in a hard role, in a role that you know you're basically going to be hated for the entirety of the series. Uh, I thought he did great. It's just that his character is incredibly unlikable. Mm-hmm. I like, I mean, with with Paul, I like that he's got that Han Solo swagger without being the cynic, which I think, I think in some ways is what Han Solo was before he kind of became disillusioned and let him down whatever path led him before we met him in the cantina. True, he might have been young Poe Dameron. Exactly. That's, that's who I think he was until... He started looking at what the Empire was and just kind of got the solution for whatever reasons. But also, I mean, just take a moment to just focus on Ray. I love her character as somebody who's both really innocent in some ways, but also somebody who's struggling a great deal with her situation. You know, like everybody compares her to Luke Skywalker. I'm like, if you look at it, Luke lived a wonderful life before, you know, the droids showed up at his doorstep. He had a family... He was well cared. He had friends. Poor Ray is just like, okay, you're gonna go risk life and limb just to make ends meet, right? Just to put food on your plate before every day, and 
you know, she's just struggling with everything that's happened to her. So and she that knows she's meant for more than what she's doing, but she doesn't know how mm-hmm. or what or why. Mm-hmm. And that that's, you know, obviously part of her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she had it worse off than most any probably either of the other protagonists. I think I know Anakin was a slave, but um, he he still had his mother there. Yeah, and she was say, taking care of he him. He could have had it much worse. And he had a he had this fun job, in a, you know, that he got to work. Like Ray's existence is harsh. It's tough. Mm-hmm. One ration a day, you know, you got him for scraps, like. And that's what's fascinating is to compare and contrast her decision making as an adult versus Kylo Ren's. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy who his parents, uh, who given who his parents were and the fact that he's trained by Luke Skywalker, Absolutely. he's yeah. got every advantage. In the world he's, by the tail. Like he's Draco Malfoy and she's Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. No, they really in a way pretty much yeah. sort of. Um. But I, I don't think that that's a bad story to necessarily retell. Do you um, think there was a moment where he goes, he's holding me back? And it's... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Flashbacks, flashbacks. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, BB-8, yeah. who, uh, yes. who could have just been derivative and been like, oh, gosh, what's this all about? Yeah. But what uh, won me over completely... Definitely has his own little thing and his own personality. And and Chewbacca really got to shine in this movie, too. He really did. If you didn't want to spend 150 bucks on the Sphero BB-8 toy... I don't know how you got through Christmas. Yeah. I was, I, that's a decision I kept going like, do I really want to spend this money? It's well, a lot of money, it, but... There, there's yeah. a $30 oh, BB-8 man. nightlight that's yeah. actual, uh-huh. actual size at Target. Wow. <laughs> the more you know. Isn't yeah. there one that will watch the movie with you now? Well, no, that's the one. The Sphero, the $150. Yeah. Uh-huh. They had an update to it so that when you watch the movie, it'll watch the movie with you. Wow. It's <laughs> so, like bleep bloop. In the- what was everybody's favorite scene? In the movie, uh, probably you'll say uh, the escape from Nima Outpost when they jump on the Millennium Falcon. That, I mean, I like the the movie, obviously, but that was the first time when I just felt like this gigantic grin just get in when they say the garbage will do. And they start running and you recognize the ship for the first time and you see it. And it's like you you see them trying to figure out how to get away from it. It just felt a hundred percent Star Wars. Like yeah. like this felt just like. When they were getting out of the, escaping the Death Star, when they were escaping and through the asteroid field, it felt like that. Uh, to me, that scene, I loved that so much, and mm-hmm. I, I loved, like, I even had a moment before it even occurred. Before the, she's like, "Oh, that's junk," and it's off screen, and you can't see it. <laughs> and no, what you're I, talking I, about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah you have so that moment. You're like, "Oh, I know what this is." Gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> that's so much fun. That's probably one of my favorite scenes as well. I liked um, the because it kind of Empire is my favorite of all seven to date movies. So uh, the scene where Ray goes and has the uh, the whole vision thing that's I'm guessing an homage to Empire when uh, Luke sees you know his face and Darth Vader's mask and all. And you see kind of you get glimpses of what I hope will be more explained backstory in the next movie. Uh, that that literally gave me chills, just you know, advancing the story in one sense, but hearkening back to ten year old me watching 
Empire in the theater. That uh, that whole sequence really, really got to me. Michelle, I liked all of the comic relief uh, when when Kylo Ren was like freaking out in the torture cell, and the, the, you see the, you see the stormtroopers sort of turn around and back out, uh, the thumb shake up from BB-8, and yep. all the little quips, you know, hey, you know, what's going on, big deal. I loved all of the sort of the, the banter and the fun light light moments of the movie. Did that you really see that? Well. Right. Did you see that? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you keep doing that with your head? Look. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little big deal. I'm calling him big deal. Yeah. Okay, big well, deal. Did everyone see that undercover boss? Yes. Oh yeah. So yeah. Matt straight up sucks. <laughs> oh man, Matt straight up sucks, <laughs> yo. I needs my muffin, Matt. <laughs> you want to see Kylo? You want to see Kylo Ren's lightsaber? I can get it. I heard Kylo Ren is handsome and has an eight pack. None of that little black dressing. I'm sorry I killed your dad. <laughs> I saw Kylo Ren in the bathroom. After the rain this comes the rainbows. <laughs> sorry I killed your dad. <laughs> that was perfect. So all of the light moments I love. Did we have uh, favorite cameos? Um, Daniel Craig. Well, <laughs> if it was him, which I think he it confirmed is. it is. It is. That was absolute genius. No love for Simon Pegg? Well, mm. so Uncle Pegg. Big love for Simon Pegg. I didn't know that until after I was out in the theater and was rage wikipedia and looking <laughs> up all the information I could on it. Mm. I was like, oh, nice. Surprised they didn't. Uh, Kevin Smith or someone didn't get. They said a Kevin little cameo. Smith was in there. He what? did a he did a vocal cameo, but they still don't know where he's in the credits. He won't but he say did a vocal. which no. one. Like oh. anyone surprised? Because he's just Smith such an insane fan. I, I Kevin just... Smith is responsible for my entire marriage. <laughs> what about you and McGregor? Being used as Obi Wan's voice in that vision scene. That yeah, was so fast. That was weird. I didn't catch it. Like, I didn't I... catch it till after either. Right, when cause... I was looking that up, I saw that. I'm like. Oh wow! He, he so that's that's crazy. I think he's a better Obi Wan. I, <laughs> I will not disagree with you. As much as I love Alec Guinness, we just got more of him than yeah. we did of Alec. And you got different paths. You got to see right. him like young man growing up right. and adult. Well, whereas also he has a truly excellent beard. He did. <laughs> but weird. I guess it's is an age thing, like you talked about earlier. But like, this is like heresy, uh, like. <laughs> There's only one Obi Wan yeah, Kenobi, and that is Sir Alec Guinness. I mean, that, I felt that way, but, but after that's seeing, just because I'm older than you. After so seeing you and but you're not that much older than me, no. you. Forty-three. Also, Alec Guinness is dead, so it's kind of harder to get the voiceovers. It's true, like, but I just like the idea that did he do those actively, or they just took that from? They no, brought him in. They brought him in to do that. He specifically did that. Because it says there's a okay. couple of. He actually calls her out by name. And no, just, the older, the older Obi Wan does that. What they did was they used. I thought some they did dialogue. existing dialogue. They, did, they took dialogue from I think Star Wars and cut it. They took the word "afraid" and then just cut part of it off. So they okay. had them say "Ray." And then I remember reading that. Young yeah. Obi Wan. Right. These are the first yes. steps. Right. Yeah, they merged their voices. That was what I read. Kind of weird. They had Alec Guinness. Uh, a sound bite from Alec Guinness, and they cut it up, and then they had Ewan come in and like read over it, and then they like modulated. Who the I think two does together. like doesn't Ewan McGregor do an Alec Guinness impression? Yeah, like, yeah, a pretty yeah. stunning one yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Ewan McGregor really good. He did some looping for the like '97 reissues uh, yeah. to clean up some vocal stuff there. And Ewan McGregor 
kind of picks and chooses what he wants to do these days because he's busy like riding a motorcycle around the world <laughs> and adopting orphans from outer Mongolia. Right. So. Well, he made, he got rich, so he can do it's like he wants. His thing. Yeah. He did train spotting. And he did train spotting, so he doesn't have yeah. to do any oh, movie. Train spotting. I did Star Wars. And he's the sequel to train spotting. So. Uh, do you think he'll force he'll Ghost me. in Episode Seven or Eight? Well, um, Ewan McGregor. Do you think he'll force go? I don't know. I mean, if he was involved enough to do some voice work for this one, you got to think there's going to be if there's some training, some Obi Wan backstory that leads up to where we are now. Well, and if you look at it from some of the idea that Luke went for the first Jedi Temple, the idea that he would see Yoda and Obi Wan and Ghost form in some way, shape, or form would make sense. Mm-hmm. And since obviously you can't get throughout Guinness, you can get Ewan McGregor. I mean, I do wonder if Han Solo is going to show up in uh, Ghost form, even though he no, wasn't he a Jedi, but maybe he had enough knowledge of that world and enough belief. No, to no, make you're s- grasping. Han Solo fan. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Han Solo. I love that moment in the movie where he says, where he's like tell, telling Ray and Finn, you know. I used to wonder about that, whether any of that was really... Did anybody read right. the That's books Aftermath and Lost Stars no, to give the background? You no. did? So so it's hard for me to grasp no. that in the, in the 30 years... 10 years of marriage and he didn't know that? Oh. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who doesn't realize, the, the voice in the background, the disembodied voice, is the voice of Kate, my wife. But she, apparently you read uh, after that. Does the movie throw out everything that happened in books and comics, this movie? Yes. yes. It does, yeah. okay. It, it, it's like when... So Star it's like, you read all that mm-hmm. for nothing. I, I'm really no mad. Like, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be 39 this year, and, and everything since I was 12 years old is out the window. Like, literally, I bought the... There's a book that details every comic book, every game, everything, and it's all in one big bound value to tell you everything that you ever wanted to know. That came out last year. So I have that. It's like it doesn't even exist anymore. Like if you go to Wikipedia to check some background, like it doesn't even exist. I'm so like, look at Wikipedia probably has No, they erased it on Wikipedia. Well, Wikipedia. Wow. They erased like yeah. Luke Skywalker's background used to be like 20 something pages on Wikipedia. Right. Now it's like five. But this is the thing about J.J. Abrams. Like he completely threw out the Star Trek universe yeah. in the same way, like, by imploding Vulcan. But then he went back and started picking and choosing what he yeah. wanted to bring, which I think is what they're going to end up I, that's doing. That's exactly what's happening in Star Trek. They're, Star yeah. Wars too, so. yeah, they're going to start bringing in some elements from it so that they go, oh, that, like, well, if yeah, you look at Kylo Ren and you don't think Jason Solo, in some way, I, there's some correlation there. Well, the idea that the, that no one believes in the Force, it's like everything that happened, so I, so I need to know what happened, I guess, in that third, that's why I need to read the right. books, to know how is it that no one believes in the Force anymore? Right, that Luke becomes a man. They know Han Solo is a mercenary. Yeah, they don't really explain that in the movie how the Force kind of died out. Right. It's just put out there that That is it's Han over. Solo that has There's to really no have, one left of this You have two perspectives. You have Rey, who knows Han Solo. Right. Rey as a, knows him as a smuggler. Right. But the Stormtrooper, who has gone through like brainwashing True. and mental conditioning, knows Han Solo as the leader of the Resistance. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, where does everyone rank the new movie amongst all the other Star Wars movies? Above the prequel. Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, um, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, and then I don't even recognize that Episode 2. Episode 1. Harsh. Wow. That's literally, that's my, harsh time. That's literally yeah. my exact order. 
I will flip Attack of the Clones and the Phantom Menace only because the horrible dialogue of Attack of the Clones. The, the, the romance dialogue was okay. just... Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's flashbacks. But yeah, I think that's the proper order. Empire, Star Wars, Force Awakens, Jedi, Sith, and then it's a question which was worse. Yeah. Of, do, do, so do you guys hate so Return of the Jedi? Like I, so I was six when I saw I Return it. of the Jedi, I and it. I love the Ewoks. I saw the some love people. Love it. I just, I just no. don't think it's as good as Young yeah. Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Well, they Young took no. that stupid song out and then right. replaced it with the crap orchestral score. But then they gave us, then they gave us the Ewok if, adventure. If you're really okay. in the know, mm-hmm. you can get the. Uh, Despecialized original versions. Which and if you're in the, <laughs> version, I, I think they're going to release it, right? Star Wars. Wars. They said Christmas. they're going to release it. They'll never release it. No, no. no you have to go back and go buy the old VHS. No, Disney. I bet you what? in a money grab, Disney will release it. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be. No, I, I have a uh, perhaps on, illicitly obtained right. copy of all three movies as shown in the theater. Hey. Listen, if they could get B. Arthur to play the Cantina bartender. <laughs> Like, there's any Harvey Corman. Oh wow. Uh, Lumpy the Jefferson Starship. Man, was that? I remember seeing that when I was a kid, and I don't remember. I wasn't old enough to be aware of snark or irony at that point. I just was so happy something <laughs> Star Wars related was on TV. That was so bad. But I do remember even at my tender age going. This is really weird. <laughs> like I, I don't understand what's happening. Not enough Ewoks was the really big issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I've got an uh, Empire Star Wars, then I've got Revenge of the Sith. Whoa! Force Awakens? Yeah, then probably Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, right around the same place. Then Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace. So Revenge of the Sith on top of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's amazing we're still married. Wow. Yes, yeah. it is. I mean, no, there's, there's no wrong opinions. Well, don't no. I don't think like anybody that grew up on this stuff. There's, it's like, it's like Empire Star Wars, right? Like you, you have to have those two. Uh, I would take either of those one two. I know yeah. people who have Star Wars Empire. So yeah, exactly. So it's, but that's one two. That's yeah. There's three, one's the original, one's the one that just but blew your mind. There's a lot of things that if Star Wars should come out, the, you know, New Hope comes out right now, you you trash it. Mm-hmm. But it's oh, but social it, media but it's and everything. So, it's like what it's is so this high, movie? Right, because it is the movie that introduced everything. So mm-hmm. that's why it, it, it's up in number one or number two. Right. Other than that, it'd be but, down in the bottom someplace. Let's just be real. Uh-huh. For me, Return of the Jedi is kind of mediocre. We we rewatched it yesterday, and I, I, I just, enjoyable. I, I mean, I love it. Let me. I mean, this is on the Star Wars scale, right? To be clear, you love it. Right? <laughs> you would actually leave me for these movies. Yeah, no. Return of the Jedi is, is See, better than you know ninety nine percent of other movies, right. but. Um, when yeah. compared to, so it's a lot like people make about the Godfather. One or two are so amazing, and three is kind of everybody's least favorite. But it's better than ninety well, percent. It's certainly not a terrible movie. The, the last but it's compared, when, compared to the two, it's mm-hmm. god awful. The last fifteen yeah. minutes of uh, Revenge of the Sith saved it. I mean, yes. Uh, no, I, I, yes. No. When I when I, find, when I when I saw that, I'm like, finally, something I can like. Sink my emotional teeth into something not well, crappy and and disjointed for, and weird. Except for she's dying of a broken heart. 
You know, deliver that line. You were my brother. That just right. that got you right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that that's actually good. the only bit of actually, real acting actually, in the entire. Actually, <laughs> the scene with Ewan McGregor and um, Hayden Christensen, that that in amongst the lava, mm-hmm. that was amazing. It saved the whole movie. It was, yeah, it, was it really did. Kind of that, that made it. Also, the Mace Windu dying not like a punk. Yeah. Well, he couldn't. But, it was no, because it was in his contract. He was not going to die like a punk. <laughs> Actually, my favorite element of Revenge is, is Palpatine. Yeah. yeah. Just seeing him finally bring everything right. together. His whole from, plan he's been working on. From seducing Anakin to laying the Jedi out. Now, that was kind of cool. Having Anakin kill yes. all of the Jedi. Right. Lines. He's been right. working on this thing over two movies. Do we and, believe like, that he's the one together. that seduced Anakin's mother? Or what do we believe? What? About how, the... how, how he was created. Uh, Are we using the M word? That's never explained. Are we using no, the No, there was a, some, some, some dark stranger came yeah. to her and... We don't know anything boom, about there's it. there's a baby. That's what I said. Are we using the word that starts with midi? Because yeah, that really was one of the most disappointing things of episode well, one. It's it's trying to explain something that has religious and spiritual connotations in a scientific way. Listen, our villain in, in episode one was Sebulba, so yeah, there's a lot to not like about episode one. And episode three had the super the arch nemesis with the really bad whooping cough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I forgot. Dark Can somebody Spider-Man get him a loss on small, but. Well, everything about episode three for me, well, almost everything Canada worked. But we know Darth Maul in Canada is not actually dead. <laughs> right. The, um, the, the bit where uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin are going at it at the end, and mm-hmm. then they cut to the Senate, where Palpatine's chucking these yep. pods down yep. at Yoda. Like, it doesn't like get any geekier than that for me, and I, I just I love that moment oh, so know. much. But, like, to me, I, I contrast that with, I remember going to see episode one in the theater and, like, going in literally, like, shaking with excitement because I couldn't even believe I was finally seeing another Star Wars movie. And then it starts, and I'm like, okay, it's all right. It's just, it's just taking a while to get going. They'll, they'll get to it. And then after, like, an hour, like, just the crushing realization came over me. I'm like, oh, my God, this sucks. Have you guys seen Fanboy? I was about to cry. Yes, excellent. But I, I literally almost cried because I was like, "This is horrible," and I wanted it. I wanted it to be good so badly, and it just wasn't. Did, did anybody see the Boondocks? You, you, you know the Boondocks. I love the Boondocks. But there, there was, he was writing his strip, and he's a huge Star Wars fan. And he had a strip out when the Phantom Menace came out, and, and Huey stands in line, and he's in line behind this guy who looks like Jesus in a lightsaber, and, and he just and it, it took about two or three weeks where he just talked about his soul crushing disappointment, <laughs> and he was going, he had his plastic lightsaber, and he was going to go after George Lucas, and <laughs> I mean it was absolutely. If you ever get a chance to look at the old Boondocks uh, cartoon strips and just sort of his whole reaction to Phantom Menace. I felt it in my soul. I went to see the movie twice thinking, well, maybe I just didn't understand. I did the same. I thought, I was like, maybe I just missed I, it. Maybe I, I, I missed the I whole the point. I the same reaction as Dave Nurse. I'm less... Dave is more of... Um, Dave has a gentler approach to the prequels <laughs> than I do. Very much so. Yes. Uh, yeah. yes. This is a great bone of contention in our marriage. Um, I... Yeah. I rage hate one and two and I don't think three. there was enough character development of Anakin. <laughs> I thought that Qui-Gon was well cast. I thought that Obi-Wan was well cast. 
but then you see, like, you see Anakin, and it's like, we're doing pod racing. And then, like, you have Christopher Lee, and you're going to waste him, like, Dooku through the prequels. Dooku was amazing. Dooku, and, and Grievous was could have been so much cooler. And Maul. Darth yeah. Maul was... He's not dead, though, as... as well, kinda, I kind of dig Darth Maul. I thought he Darth was Darth Maul's cool. not dead. No, he's not, but as we will. So, but, as but we they, all know. But from watching Rebels, but... I, I just think that yeah. exactly. But I, th- I think what what happened with one is just there was such hope, like oh here it comes, here it comes, and then you come out and, and you had that reaction of like no no maybe I didn't get it no no it's good it's good I just didn't get it then you go see it again maybe I'm still not getting it <laughs> when you finally see it on home video I'm like no no there wasn't much to get that's the point. My, my own personal experience was uh, very different than a lot of people's because I didn't get to see the movie for like three months until after it had come out. And so I got to see the reaction to the movie. Mm-hmm. So I got you to went see, in with So you were like, yeah. Low, low, low expectations. My, lo- my expectations <laughs> were very low. So you are like, you what's everyone talking about? What's everyone talking about? This is perfectly good. This is Star Wars. This is good. Mm-hmm. I, it's yeah. different, but it's good. I like this. I blame so. Germany for like yeah. reducing you to this point. Well, I, think, I think this is totally why I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman because everybody trashed it. And I went in and I was like, Well, yeah. before I did end this, I, w- I wanted to talk to everyone about the Rogue One trailer because that came out this week as well, and um, pretty stoked. Yeah, well, the my initial impression of watching this thing. Uh, well, I, I mean, after I picked my jaw off the floor, uh, was oh, it, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I am to his wife. Yeah, uh, it was my 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 initial thought was. Okay, so Force Awakens. The, the biggest criticism of Force Awakens get is that it's too much of a slavish devotion to the original, to episode four. Which uh, I reject. And, I, I, and like I don't this, agree. this goes way beyond that, but in a good way, at least for me. Yeah, I reject the idea that it's devoted. I think it's using the same framework, the same skeletal framework right. to reintroduce you to the universe. My reaction to Rogue One was like, cool. It's a new story that we haven't seen. It's in an environment that we know, but we really haven't explored in terms of uh, okay, we like I said, like like I was saying earlier about these fully fleshed out characters who had their own story before they came along. That's one of the advantages that you have with a universe. You have a ton of stories you can fill in, yep. and this is one of them. And they can and Disney and Lucasfilms can do that. They can have the big episode releases and then have other movies that kind of fill in gaps and kind of give you side stories and let you go. Wherever they want to go. Yep. So, so Rogue One is the story of the sort of collection of the Death Star plans, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. But I yes. thought it was Bothans that guy. That's going to be a female protagonist again. So the Bothans were yeah. the no, return of the Jedi. 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 Yeah, no, 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 no but, but we Bobbins, find many Bobbins, many Bobbins, 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 You are so right. right. Uh, the Palpatine many says, Bobbins I let this happen. Right. Because he, get he, he had a blood, he had a blood that story. to let them get yeah. to Endor. Right? Yeah. If, if, if you remember... We actually rewatched Return of the Jedi the other night. And he so both them star to bring us this Because if, yeah, if you remember, in episode four, you only start out with... Uh, the crawl starts. They just won their first victory yep. against the Empire, this, and this, Leia's this got the plan. Uh, That's the story. Rogue One happens right before. Who even cast this young lady? You think she'll make an appearance somewhere at the end of the? They said there's going to be zero crossover with existing 
Star Wars universe. That's what they say. Maybe it's a Which smoke screen. Cool, did you guys see Diego but, uh, Luna was also? Speaking of no, I color, think Vader's going to be in it. I speaking think of Vader these confirmed. persons of color, Diego, Diego Luna, mm-hmm. am I thinking of the right person? Yes, Diego Luna are. from Havana Nights mm-hmm. is actually the That's male protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but he's the male protagonist. And so all of a sudden, like with this new incarnation of Star Wars, you actually have the most commitment to diversity mm-hmm. you've seen. Between episode seven and Rogue One, yeah, I think that's actually awesome because as a woman, I would like to see people who reflect more of what our kids. But uh, see. and I think, but uh, like I was saying, they're getting good actors in roles that are unique. They're not all Jedi. They're not all Sith. They're, yeah. they're not all smugglers. They they can fill any be any number of ways. So I like that idea that they have like. For, I mean, I have no idea who the other characters are. Was Forrest Whitaker, Skyler, who looks cool, or Donnie Yen? Yen. In Donnie Yen in a Star Wars movie. And the only awesome. thing I'm like, he doesn't have a lightsaber. Come on now. Is Mads Mikkelsen in this one too? Yes, he is. Yep. Yes, and he's also in. Um, he's also in. Uh, Cumberbatch. Uh, Doctor Strange. Strange. Is any in? Yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? yeah, in November. Yeah, Which I can't that. wait for. Speaking of nerds. He, uh, no, I, I react to these things just like I did in the theater watching uh, episode seven by feel, like how to, you know, just without thinking too hard about it. And watching the Rogue One trailer, it 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 felt right to me. It just you know, these things either feel right or they don't. And I was like, oh, it's like this. Feels, the ad and the it feels like a oh. Star Wars universe movie, you know. It so feels like a excited. direct extension of that movie, which is what it should feel like, right? But gosh, well, as a like, placeholder for Episode Eight, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just the the fact that it, it that ties in so well, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's an exciting time. It is. It is a it's a fun time to be a Star Wars fan. But uh, I'm not happy there's been a year delay announced till Episode Eight. So mm-hmm. At least we got Rogue One. Well, I want to thank everybody again for joining us. Um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, yay! Good show, everybody. Yay! Um, uh, once again, I'll, uh, I'll give everyone a chance to kind of sign off. Uh, give your give your Twitter handle and any other plug that you might want to do for your work. Um, you first, sir. Uh, Fredo Nola underscore Fredo on Twitter. If you're interested. <laughs> No other work to plug. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I am Kyle underscore Malawson on Twitter. Uh, Dashriprock.net, imaginationmovers.com, at iMovers, uh, where you can see you what I'm doing. Yeah, Shut what up. I'm doing and what I'm up to uh, on any given weekend. <laughs> Michelle Hunter, know that I come to Time Speak You and come to me for all your Jefferson Parish crime and smut beat. <laughs> I am at, at Michelle Hunter on Twitter. I got to, I got to it first. Um, this has been fun. Great. And I'm at Dave Blatto, uh, DaveBlatto.com. I'm also with uh, Noel Times Picune. And uh, I want to thank again everybody for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace.